It is a joy to be back home from Revival Nation, Brazil. <laughs> How many of you guys know that Brazil is in revival right now? It really is. I mean, what you guys just witnessed there on the screen with Billy, I feel like I witnessed in a microcosm in Brazil. In fact, I want you guys to check out this uh, photo. Uh, this was the event that I was at. So uh, this is Dunamis Movement, which is led by dear friends of Ali and I, uh, Teofilo and, and uh, Junior Hayashi. You guys know T. He's spoken here a couple of times over the last couple of years. And uh, this event was absolutely radical. If you don't follow me on Instagram, just at least visit my profile and watch my stage dive. Okay? Because after all the ministry and we did church and we had a fire tunnel for every single person in the room. And um, you guys know what a fire tunnel is? Yeah. So it's basically where you do like two lines and then everybody walks through and you lay hands on them. And uh, it gets really festive. It, that's the best word to describe it. Like everybody's so filled with the joy of the spirit that is so much fun. And uh, so we did that for every single conference attendee. It took us like two hours. And... Um, it was awesome because they hire like EMTs, security, firefighters, those guys uh, to just help with the event. You know, 6,000 people in the room. Well, the firefighters started going through the line. The EMTs started going through the line. And uh, I mean, I don't know if you had this experience of this background, but you know, sometimes the Holy Spirit touches people. It's so overwhelming to their physical body that they'll fall, they'll hit a knee, you know, you guys have seen that before. And so the, the firefighters were like, are they okay? What's, what's wrong with them? They said, it's okay. It's just God. Holy Spirit's touching their life. This is what we call revival. And they were like, you know, kind of like hesitant. Like, I don't know. And then after they watched it for about 20 more minutes, they're like, shoot, I'm going through too, you know? If, if, if that's God, I want some of that, you know? Like, I want some Holy Spirit in my life. And so people got saved. It was incredible. Like, um, just got to hang out with some real legends, some friends, some new friends. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard of Michael Culianos from Jesus Image. He has a conference every year called the Jesus Conference. Probably one of my favorite new friends that I've met in quite some time. I really enjoyed listening to him speak and, and being in the room while he ministered. Uh, got to hang out a little bit with Todd White. You know, a lot of you guys know who he is. Just uh, roaring evangelist man of god awesome person uh he's the type of person you can't go out to eat with you know because it's like he just prays for everybody you'll never get to the meal you know and uh he's really like that uh in in person as well he really is i can testify to that um just some really awesome people amazing worship leaders and folks who are really carrying exactly what we're talking about this month which is revival and reformation i got the opportunity to visit the dunamis farm uh, which is a miracle testimony within itself it was an old lipton tea farm um, that is 1,500 acres that they're going to be building Dunamis University on uh, for 10,000 students. And I'm telling you guys, like when we talk about revival and reformation, what we see in the event, and then it carried over into an educational setting, like a university that has state accreditation. It's the very first like revival spirit-filled school happening in all of Brazil to this size. Pretty awesome pretty awesome they're growing bananas out. I mean it's just a lot of cool stuff 
This is awesome. Got an endless supply of bananas out here. The revival farm. So I told uh, T, I said, hey, I think we need to bring a group from Legacy Nashville to the Send. I don't know if you guys are down for that, but over the next couple of weeks, I'll uh, share with you guys some details of the Send. If you don't know what that is, uh, it's an event that's happening in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Uh, they decided to have it in Morumbi Stadium, which is the largest stadium in all of Sao Paulo. It holds just over, I think, 70,000, if I'm not mistaken. So it's about the size of Nissan Stadium. And they sold out in five hours. Quicker than U2 uh, and some other famous Coldplay. Isn't that awesome? Like people are so hungry for Jesus. Like they sold out the whole stadium. They had to stop it so that internationals could be a part of the event. And uh, they decided to open up a second stadium. They sold that out in a matter of days. Now they've opened up a third stadium and it's sold out. Yeah, it's sold out. Sold out. Three stadiums in one day all sold out. I think it's like 140,000 people are gathering to seek God for the sole purpose of revival in the church and reformation in the city. So pretty awesome. And um, I think we should probably go, some of us. Uh, it can't be that much, you know. It's, is anything too hard for the Lord, the Bible says. So, you know, you can raise the money. We could go. Uh, we can hang out. Uh, it's like February. It's like the second week of February. Can somebody look that up and just let me know? February the 8th. Is that right? It's what? You can't go then. It's Legacy Weekend. You're not allowed to go. It's not possible. It's not possible. Sorry. None of you can go. It's ruled out. Unless the Lord calls you, you can go. But the Lord's probably telling you to stay here for Legacy Weekend. So live stream it. All right, folks, live stream it. Attend two conference meetings at once. Okay. How's that? Does that work? That works. That works. Following year, you can go. Hey, look, there's going to be a send in Kansas City this year also. The public doesn't know that yet, but I'm telling you, okay, don't tweet it. But if you really want to go, you can go to that one. And if God's calling you to Brazil, I know some folks who can save you a seat. Okay. Awesome. I want to let you guys know about an amazing opportunity uh, called Grow Groups. Some of you guys may have heard about it. That's awesome. Come on, let's give it up for Grow Groups. It's amazing. I know you guys are clapping and you don't even know what this is yet. So I appreciate your enthusiasm. But uh, Grow Groups is a nine-month discipleship process uh, group. Uh, we've called it Radical Mentorship. And I'm really excited about Grow Groups. And I just want to read you a little bit about what Grow Groups is as I make the announcement. Grow, group, grow Groups are designed as a nine-month discipleship program to equip us to run our best race by helping to uncover our true identities our purpose, and to learn how to love our families well, excel in our careers, and impact our community. If you've been coming to Legacy for any length of time whatsoever, you know we are incredibly passionate about growth. And that doesn't mean just growing in disciples, like adding to the church, but we're also passionate, very passionate, about growing as disciples. So as disciples of Jesus Christ, we want to consistently and continually grow over our lifespan. And so what we've done is we've designed uh, this ministry program called Grow Groups. And uh, we have some mentors that we've hand-selected from the church. 
with just world-class leadership, to be honest with you. And so what you can do is you can apply to be a part of a grow group. It meets once a month for nine months. Each meeting is about three hours long, so it's not too big of an inconvenience to your schedule. Every single person can give God three hours a month to grow radically in this next season. There's also books and prayer and community and you're meeting with each other. We'll give you more details about it. But right now we want to let you know it is live on the website. So you can go to LegacyNashville.org slash probably grow groups. It's right on the homepage. Couldn't get easier. It's in our Instagram bio. It's in our Instagram bio. Couldn't get easier. So uh, all you have to do is just tap through on the link there. Uh, applications. Here's why we, we're doing applications. Because we know you guys are going to rush to be a part of such an amazing ministry program. And so uh, we've got to put you in groups as quickly as we possibly can because they're going to fill up fast. So if you're thinking 2020 is the year of unprecedented spiritual growth in your life, I want you to go ahead now, just tap the link and sign up. We want to get you in a part of a discipleship small group. It's amazing. I want to say thanks to Josh and Chelsea for helping to equip our leaders. Thank you so much for that. And everybody who's been a part of uh, this ministry program, getting it up off the ground. This is going to be, I'm serious. This is going to be the most equipping thing we've ever done as a church. And we did leadership school this year. That's right. My wife is reminding me of that. And this is going to be more equipping than leadership school. So how many of you have a passion to grow? If you, if you do say that's me. So go ahead, jump on over, click the link and uh, you can see the dates that we're going to be meeting. The dates are not subject to your schedule. We're giving you the dates in advance. This is when you're expected to be there. Be a part and to meet, okay? Highly organized. We've put more work into this than we have probably anything ever. I don't know. Probably put more work into this program than we did when we planted this church. I'll be honest with you. That's true. Maddie knows. He remembers. He was there. We were like, man, we should, we should start a ministry. What are we going to call it? I don't know. What are we going to do? I don't know. We're going to worship Jesus. That sounds good. Let's gather. And before we knew it, we had 70 people meeting in a living room filled with Jesus and thus became what you are a part of today. So as we are opening our Bibles, I'm not going to get to it for a while, but if you want to just put a thumb in, in, in Mark, uh, I'm eventually going to make my way to Mark chapter 16. As we're opening our Bibles, just go ahead and look at the person next to you and remind them, say you are a part of something. You're a part of something special. You're a part of something special. You're a part of something special. So as we begin today, let's just start with some prayer. I'm going to um, minister today from a few verses of Scripture, but I'm going to uh, do my best to discuss a strategy for kingdom reformation. Uh, so I'm going to talk a little bit about the seven spheres. So I've uh, never talked about this before publicly. I've only talked about it privately over in the context of maybe a coffee or something like that. And if you've heard a message uh, about this before that was really good, uh, give me some grace. All right. I may not teach it as well as you've heard it before. But if you've heard this message before and it was really bad, you know, just just pretend like you're hearing it for the first time. So you don't have any presuppositions about what I'm going to share. Does that sound good? All right, so let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your presence in our house. It's really your house, God. We've just been given the privilege and the honor of being a part and stewarding it with the Holy Spirit. 
God, we ask that you would invade this place with your glory. We sang about it this morning and we're not finished yet. We just declare we've not had enough, that we need more, that we've come to this house hungry today, that we acknowledge our dependency upon you, Jesus. Where would we be without you? Nowhere. What would we have without you? Nothing. And so we are waiting and expecting an unprecedented transformation to take place in us and in this church. And we stand on your promises today, Jesus. We stand on your word. We remind you of your covenant to your kids. And we are grateful for everything you're going to do today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. So I want to start by just sharing with you guys a little bit about my personal journey. Some of you know my testimony, my story, how I began uh, in ministry and in missions. And in 2009, I had the privilege. I mean, honestly, it was such a great opportunity to go and basically live in Pimba, Mozambique with Heidi and Roland Baker. How many of you guys know who Heidi Baker is? Very uh, popular preacher and uh, just doing amazing missions work all over the world. Uh, they're caring for about 10,000 orphans every day. She told me the other day they had planted over 5,000 churches in just Mozambique at this point alone. So awesome, awesome revivalist, reformer, incredible woman of God, history maker. I believe with all my heart she is the modern day Mama T, yeah. Mother Teresa. I really do believe that. And uh, I remember one night we were just having a prayer meeting because there's really nothing to do in Pimba, Mozambique other than pray. I'll be honest with you, like it's improved over the years, but when I was there, there was really nothing to do. Like there's no internet, you know, there's no social media to get on. There's no video games to play. Like there's no TV to watch. The power's out half the day. You can only shower with cold water four hours at inconvenient times. You know, it's like the water's on, it's midnight, take a shower, you know. It's just kind of the environment and that's the way that it was in 2009. Now, I remember one night we were just, we were all praying together, probably 80 of us under a, a thatch roof tent. And uh, she said, let's begin to pray and ask God to put nations on our heart. Let's begin to pray and ask God to put cities on our heart. Let's begin to pray and ask God to put people groups on our heart. And let's not just pray some light, gentle, you know, put together prayer. Let's really go after heaven tonight and let's ask the Lord to put these people groups, to put these cities, to put these nations on our heart to such an extent that we'd be willing to give our lives for them. Are you guys into praying scary prayers? You know, I like to encourage people to pray scary prayers. Like every now and then, you should just pray a prayer that scares you. Like if God answers it, your life is going to get twisted, turned upside down, inside out, you know, and you're like, it's, it just won't look the same. I like those kind of prayers. And if you don't like to pray those prayers, just come back as often as you can, and we will assign somebody <laughs> to lay hands on you and pray scary prayers. I will volunteer, okay? I love people who prophesy crazy stuff over my life. I enjoy those type of people praying for me, you know. And so she's, she's like inviting us to pray this scary prayer. Hey, pray for God to put a people group on your heart that you would be willing to become a martyr for. Now, that's a scary prayer, isn't it? This is not like a popular topic, right? Like just church on Sunday. Let's pray a prayer we'd be martyred over. You know, it's not, it doesn't preach well. You know what I mean? It just doesn't go well with points and a keynote and that sort of thing. But like this is what 
she was inviting us into as a community. And so I began to pray this scary prayer and I said, God, would you put a nation, would you put people groups on my heart to such an extent that I would spill my blood for them? And uh, I remember in that season, I would always say, if you won't spill your blood for your purpose, you have yet to discover it. Because your purpose, you shouldn't have a purpose. Like your purpose should have you. Like you should be seized by the purposes of heaven that were assigned to your life long before your parents even thought about you. Like God prepared good works for us in advance, right? We all have a purpose. It's been given to us by the Father. It's not something that we get to make up. It's not something that we get to invent. But God has prepared for us to do life-changing, world-changing, history-making type stuff. Like we're born for greatness. Do you guys believe that? You do believe that. At least these first two rows believe that. Do you guys believe that today? And uh, I, I just... I said, God, I want these people groups. I accept this. I pray this scary prayer. And God spoke to me about three nations plus. And the reason I say plus is because this is what he told me. He said, you're called to go to Korea. You're called to go to Japan. And you're called to go to the nations that speak Portuguese, starting with Brazil. And I said, okay, Lord, this is like 12 years ago. 11, 11 12 years ago, I guess. No, 2009, 10 years ago. So uh, I said, okay, God, I say yes. You know, I accept. It's one thing to hear a word from the Lord. It's another thing to accept a word from the Lord. You know, sometimes we get so upset that God gave us a word that he didn't do for us. He was like, but I wanted you to accept it and put some action behind your acceptance, you know. And I'm like, yes, God, I'll do it. And uh, right away I got home. I booked a ticket to Korea. I only knew one person there. And uh, she said, I, I have a floor you can sleep on in our church. And I said, I'm coming. I don't care. I just want to obey God. I'm, I'm on my way there. I'm preparing to go. And she said, hey, my pastor wants to know if you'd be willing to preach at our church. And I said, sure, I'll preach at the church. Didn't really have a message. Thought it was going to be like 30 people in a storefront. I pulled up to this, this building. It was a big office building, you know, and I'm like, they must be meeting in the bottom floor. I go in. They take me through backstage. They're like, you ready to preach? Yes. They hand me a microphone. I walk out. The whole office building is the whole church. It's like 18 floors high. I'm 24 years old, and there's 4,000 people there. You know, I'm like... There's literally 4,000 people there. And the pastor, before I even preached, he'd never even heard me. He said, this man is a prophet. I'm like, no, I didn't say that. I'm not a prophet. Why would you say that about me? You know what I mean? And he was like, he's going to prophesy to everybody. I'm like, there's 4,000 people here. It's not possible. You know, it, it, he proved me wrong. You know, I prayed in a line and I'm pretty sure people were like getting a word and getting back in line. I'm like, was the word not good? Don't get back in line. Like, I had no voice. I went to my room at 3.30 a.m., right? Just went for it, you know? I didn't know that was going to happen. I just bought a ticket. And then afterwards, I went to Japan. I didn't know a single person, didn't meet a single person. I just went to Tokyo, and I prayer walked. That's it. Since then, God's brought me back to Japan two more times. The last time I was there, we saw 110 salvations in Jesus' name in a country that is 0.06% Christian we saw 150 people get healed well, on the trip like right away you guys believe in this stuff it's in the Bible 
I have something to stand on. <laughs> you know, and, uh, and so Brazil, you know, I went there and obviously now we have friends that are there and everything. But, you know, it was in that season that I said to myself, God, I want to do this. And it's not that I want to be a martyr. I remember coming home telling my dad, hey, I think I'm going to be martyred. He's like, I rebuke you, you know. And, but it's like, you know, I just want to give my life for the gospel. You know, I want, to, I want to be a world changer. How many of you guys, like, have said that before? Like, I want to be a world changer. Like, I want to make, I want to live life in such a way that the world looks different 100 years from now. Yeah. Have any of you guys ever said that or, or, or thought, like, I want to leave a massive legacy. You know, like my grandkids get blessed by. I, I want to I change the world. I want to write history. I want to shake nations for God, right? Like these are the scary prayers, the scary statements that we make. I want to do these things. This is my identity, my destiny. This is what God has called me into. I want to be a world changer for God. It's amazing. I've never met a kid that didn't want to change the world or do something great. But it's far too common that I meet adults that have completely abandoned and given up on doing something great. And they've settled into a routine and a rhythm of going about life from paycheck to paycheck. And that's not an indictment on their financial situation. But it's just, it's just like, this is my rhythm. This is my routine. I've settled in and they've come to a place really of compromise where they've stopped expecting God to do great things through their life so that they could leave a legacy, write history, shake nations, really make a difference. You guys know what I'm saying? It's like, it's, it's, it's interesting to me how quickly we abandon those things when we get like 30. Wow. Yes. Yes. You know, it's like, man, just got to pay the bills. You know, just got to do normal. Just got to do my thing, you know. And uh, I don't think anybody starts out like that. I think we get talked out of greatness. You know, I, I don't know what a teacher once said to you. I don't know what a coach once said to you. I don't know what a pastor once said to you. I don't know who spoke a word curse over you that was like, you know, be a little bit more realistic. How many, how many times have you heard that? Or how about this? Hey, just focus. Stay in your lane, man. Right? Sometimes I understand that can be wisdom, but sometimes, honestly, that can be like, you know, pushing people down and not giving them the opportunity to dream. And so we have to be careful what we speak over other people because sometimes God dreams are very unrealistic to the natural mind. So we should have a safe community here that we've created where God dreams are allowed to be shared. And when someone says something that's absolutely absurd and ridiculous, we respond in faith and say, you know, it's not possible with man, but with God, nothing shall be impossible is what the word says. Right? So here's what I believe about being a world changer, because I still believe that I'm called to be a world changer. I still believe you're called to be a world changer. You change one life, you change the world. You know, whatever God's called you into, it is possible, and you have been given potential and supernatural grace to change that atmosphere, change that environment, to affect people's lives that ultimately affect the state of the world that we live in, the culture that we live in. And uh, so I just believe that being a world changer hinges on two things. And I'm going to use some alliteration here, two S's, okay? Uh, number one is surrender. Everybody say surrender. If you're going to be a world changer, it starts with surrender. There is no way to write history with God outside of your yes to him in prayer. If you want to change the public space, you're going to have to say yes to God in the secret place. 
Like there is no other way to be equipped to do what God has ultimately called you to do. You will not get tools to accomplish your ultimate assignment from a book, from a podcast, or even from a sermon. You can get good stuff from me. You can get inspired. You can get motivated. You can even get an impartation. I believe in that. But ultimately what we need is an anointing. And that comes from the secret place. That comes from the word of God. That comes from the presence of God. And we have to step into that place with a yes in our heart and never say no, regardless of how scary it gets. Yes, God. I say yes. You know, the Bible says, for the joy that was set before Jesus, he endured the cross, right? And so we understand that was a brutal, brutal uh, death that he experienced, the martyrdom, you know, he was killed. He was executed as a prisoner of the state. But the Bible says, for the joy that was set before him, he was possessed by a greater vision than the cross. He was possessed and fulfilled understanding that his sacrifice meant changing the world on the other side of his obedience, which is what we've all been called to. And I promise you, this world will arrange your Good Friday. Your surrender will make sure of it, right? You will have opportunities to quit. But if you want to change the world, it is going to require you to say this, this, this small word, but it's a small thing. Hinges are small things, but they swing open big doors. It's yes. It's your surrender. It's just saying, yes, God, I say yes. That seems absurd. That's scary. That seems ridiculous. You gave me a dream. You told me to go to Korea. I say yes. Okay, here you go. 4,000 people. I mean, it's insane the type of open doors that come uh, as a result of a yes in private. It's, it's amazing. I mean, uh, you remember Jesus was talking about doing things in the secret place and then getting rewarded in the public space. I believe with all my heart, our yes here, our yes here will, will help us and equip us to say yes out here because we don't doubt in the dark what God spoke in the light. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. So that's the place of strength. If you're going to change the world, you've got to surrender. But I'm going to give you one other S word, okay? If you're going to change the world, you have to surrender first and foremost. Yeah. Everybody say surrender. surrender. But you also have to do this. You also have to be strategic. Yeah. So... Um, you got to surrender and you got to be strategic. Listen, God is strategic and Jesus was administrative. Amen. I don't know if I have to convince anybody in this room, but there, there are people who want to change the world and do great things for God that believe all I've got to do is just, you know, worship and pray and it's going to be great and everything's going to work out. And yes, I believe it will for the most part work out, but there is an element of strategery. You guys remember that video? There is an element of being strategic that gives us the opportunity to bring a quality life to the city, people who don't know Jesus, to the nation, a lot of people who don't know Jesus, never met Jesus, to the world, a quality of life to make a difference in people's life. 
And, and that comes as a result of taking our surrender and getting strategic about the words that we receive in the secret place. And so one of the things that I feel like the Lord is really bringing me into the light of in a greater way is this concept of being surrendered to change the world, but also getting strategic to change the world. To look at Mark chapter 16, um, this is the Great Commission. You guys probably know it, but I'm going to read verses uh, 15 through 18. And um, you guys know, you guys know there are two Great Commissions, right? Come on, you guys help me preach this morning. You guys know there are two Great Commissions, right? Number one is in uh, Mark 16. Um, chronologically, Mark was written first according to church history. And so this is the first account of the Great Commission uh, historically. Verse 16, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every single person. Everybody say that with me. Say every single person. All right. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will drive out demons. Whoo. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. Uh, you know, i.e. Paul, right? Serpent jumps out of the fire, bites him, shakes it off. No problem. People are amazed, thinking he's a god, begin to worship him. He preaches the gospel of the kingdom. A whole island receives the gospel, right? And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not harm them. Praise God. I've eaten plenty of bad things in India. And they will lay their hands on the sick and they will be made well. I ate a deep fried rat once in Mozambique. And they will be made well. I don't know why I did that. Dr. Josh, I repent for doing that. I need some healing and help, bro. But when you look, everybody in my life that's into health, I repent to them whenever I eat Chick-fil-A. Um, it's, it's just, it's like, it's confessional. You know what I'm saying? Um, but, you know, this is the Great Commission and this is hashtag, everybody say revival. 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 Jesus gave us this commissioning. Uh, he said, hey, look, Here's my command, so you have to say yes to it, so you have to surrender to it, but also there's going to be a strategic element to it because in order for you to preach the gospel to every single person, you got to plan, you got to get in prayer, you got to dish out some assignments to a few different disciples and say, okay, you know, Paul, you know, you take Spain, right? Okay, um, Timothy, you need to go to India, uh, okay, you're going to go east, you know what I'm saying? It's like there has to be an element of, strategy that, that, that takes place in the midst of how we do what we do to reach the city. It, it's not just about, you know, uh, it starts in worship. It starts in prayer. It starts with intercession. It starts there. But there's an element of advancement that requires strategy. So this is revival. Jesus says, preach the gospel to every creation, uh, to every single person, uh, every creature, excuse me. And um, this Great Commission is about discipling individuals. Everybody say individuals. This, this Great Commission in Mark 16 is about discipling individuals. Everybody say individuals. So this is about quantity. This Great Commission is quantitative. Okay? So it's about like we want to get as many people saved as possible. Amen? It's so funny what we do in America. We're like, well, it's not about the numbers. It kind of is. <laughs> I don't know why we, like, we hate that. I guess it's because we don't like selfish ambition. Neither did Timothy. Timothy, he had plenty. Uh, pl sorry, guys, I can't talk today. I've been trying Portuguese all week. So, like, but neither did Timothy. 
uh, in the Bible, right? Selfish ambition is something that he warns us against. So I understand why it kind of creeps us out. But Jesus is about every single person getting saved. So he's kind of about the numbers. <laughs> he, wants, he wants everybody. Because every number is representative of a soul, of a heart, of a person that he wants to love and have real intimacy with, right? And so this great commission is about quantity. It's about getting everybody saved. It's about preaching the gospel and discipling individuals. And a lot of times when we think about uh, the great commission, this is what we think about. But we all know the other great commission, which so often gets thought about in the same way as Mark 16. So, but let's read it real quick. Uh, Matthew 28, verse 16 through 20, uh, 18 through 20, excuse me. It says, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Oh, I love that. How much is left for Satan? Nada. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is revival as well, but when if you really look, and, and I've, I've looked in the original language, uh, I've looked at the original wording and how everything is placed together, and this is also revival, but church, it's also reformation. What Jesus is saying is to make disciples of all nations. Mark, he said, look, I want you to preach the gospel to every single person. And then over here in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus speaking to his disciples says, I want you to disciple nations. And then he says, I want you to baptize them. See, the way that we read this because of our individualistic society and culture, and if you look at the original language, this is how it's worded, right? Jesus is literally saying, you are to disciple whole nations. You are to reform whole nations, like a whole nation can get saved, right? Isaiah said, can a nation be saved in a day, right? Like nations are on Jesus' heart. If it was not the case, the Bible would not discuss nations 56 times in scriptures. You know, in Revelation, we see that when we go to heaven, like nations, people groups, ethos, uh, actual nations and their rulers, kings are going to lead holy processionals of worship in the book of Revelation, right? Like God is, I mean, sometimes we, we, we think like God's really romantic or is that, but like God loves nations. He does. I mean, he loved Israel, a nation. He gave Israel a promise. Like I do believe with all of my heart. Yes, God wants to encounter individuals and he wants to bring revival to the heart of the person. But he also wants to bring reformation to nations, to cities. He wants us to change how we do life as a culture so that it's better for the people who live 100 years from today. Even Christians, we're, we have this thing. It doesn't matter. I'll be gone. Who cares what happens in 100 years from today? We should. Because our very first commission that God gave our first parents, Adam and Eve, was to take the garden, to take the earth, to steward it, to cultivate it, to care for it, to subdue it, to take dominion and advance the kingdom of God. So like taking care of the earth, you know, it's like a controversial thing right now. But I really do believe with all my heart, like God wants us to do that. It's crazy. We have to even wonder about that. 
But some of you are like, oh, it doesn't matter. It's going to burn anyway. What Jesus said, like, it's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, but that doesn't mean that we have the right to be like, well, just who cares? He said, look, let's disciple the nations. Let's disciple the culture. Let's baptize the nation. Now, that's a concept, isn't it? Baptizing nations. I mean, I've been praying this as I've read, reading through it and thinking about it. I'm like, okay, God, how do we baptize Nashville? Like, I, 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 you know, we baptize individuals. We'll do a baptism night soon. But like, God, how do we baptize cities? Is this hitting home for anybody? Are you, is this piqued your curiosity? With the time I have left, I want to talk about the seven spheres. And the seven spheres, honestly, has been a bit of a controversial message over the last decade. And one of the reasons for that is because it's oftentimes associated with something called dominionism. And uh, dominionism is, is more about control and it's more about aggression. As I talk about the seven spheres of society today, I am not talking about control. I'm talking about influence. Okay, I don't think that we as Christians are called to control anybody. I mean, on my best day, I can kind of control myself. So I don't like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, we're not called to that. We're not all, we're not called to coerce people. We're called to love people. And so when I talked about surrender and strategy, the seven spheres is a biblical concept that we, that we get from the Bible, kind of like we talked about kings and priests. It's a concept we get from the Bible to use as strategy, as a resource, as a tool for the purpose of advancing the kingdom of Jesus and loving people into their purpose. You guys with me today? So what are the seven spheres of society? Uh, many people call them different things. Some people call them mountains. Some people call them spheres. Some call them classrooms. Some call them pillars. Uh, mountains are probably the most biblical uh, way to refer to them, but I, like, I just like spheres, so that's why I used the title. I thought it was cool, you know? And then sometimes like seven mountains, like because there has been, how many of you guys know any topic of potential breakthrough is shrouded by great confusion? That's why, the, that's why I like tithing. There's so many blogs on it. It's a good time to take a drink. The enemy does not want you to know what God has to say about areas that could potentially bring great breakthrough to your life. So, you know, the heresy hunters and the blogs get after it. And then before you know it, we throw out everything that is potentially, uh, can be potentially used to do exactly what God has called us to do. And so I'm presenting this to you today as a strategy, okay? I know, I know I'm running over. Tyler, don't play yet, don't play yet. I don't want him to check, I don't want him to check out. I don't want him to check out yet. I'm be quick. No, no, stay, 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 stay though. Don't, no, no, don't leave me. Don't leave me. Don't leave me, bro. Don't leave me. I just, I don't, I don't want them to go there yet. You know what I'm saying? So seven spheres, real, I'm be real quick, be real quick. Okay. Seven spheres, seven spheres. So here's the seven spheres. Just show them the list. We'll go through it real quick. Um, all right. Media and communications, education, government, celebration of arts and entertainment. That's, uh, that's also sports, family, economy and business, religion and worship. So for a long time as the church, we've been really preoccupied with one mountain, one sphere, one pillar 
right? Which is what? Religion and worship, right? And so we've, we've really focused on, okay, how can we get people saved and then get them to be a part of our thing? Like, you know, I'm not trying to throw stones or anything like that. I'm just saying that for a long time, we've been predominantly occupied by how do we influence people enough to get them in here, right? How many of you guys know that God never told the sinner to go to church? He told the church to go to the sinner, right? And so we're like, man, if we could just convince them, look, I'm not trying to convince anybody anymore. I'm trying to convert people. For far too long, we've tried to convince people to be a part of that. People need to actually be converted. You know how they get converted? By having an encounter with the Holy Ghost. <laughs> people get converted when they have an encounter with the real Jesus. When they're like, I don't know how to explain it, but I'm different. They're not convinced. It's not an intellectual thing. They're converted. So these seven mountains, these seven spheres, I believe are tools, resources, super quick. In Deuteronomy, Israel needed to defeat seven nations to inherit their promised land. In Micah uh, 4 and 4, as well as Isaiah 2 and 2, same exact scripture. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills and all the nations shall flow, flow to it. In Revelation chapter 17, verse 9, um, just real quick, the seven heads are the seven mountains on which the woman is seated. Not to go too deep into eschatology and all that stuff, but look, there is the harlot, the prostitute represented. It's Satan in the book of Revelation, and it says there are seven pronged attacks on the people of God in Revelation. I believe that this message connects to those two things because as much as God would like us to use these tools, Satan would like us to reject them all the more so that he can have influence in these places and pull everybody he can through these things into his kingdom of darkness rather than the children of God using these tools and this strategy to pull people into the light. Sounds like you guys agree. In Proverbs 9 and 1, the Bible says wisdom has built her house. Wisdom is a depiction of the Holy Spirit. And she has set it upon its seven pillars. So one of the reasons why people call these pillars and not spheres or classrooms or mountains is because of Proverbs chapter 9 1. I do believe with all my heart. Tyler, you can play now. Um, that, thank you, bro, for rolling with me today. Thank you so much. Uh, I do believe with all my heart that God is inviting us into an understanding of this tool, of this strategy, so that we can really use it for God's glory and for the advancement of the kingdom of Jesus, not for selfish ambition or our own personal benefit. To be honest, even just my study of this, uh, it moved me in such a way that I was like, man, I... I would love to teach on this more. I would love to dive into this more because here's what I believe and here's what we're going to do with the rest of the time we have is, is consider you and the people in this room that are a part of our church that are called to bring influence in these areas. I mentioned this when we did the Kings and Priests message, but it's, it's such a shame that for those of you guys in here that are called to business or arts and entertainment, or sports or something like that, you know, that the church has placed guilt and, and shame on you. Like, man, if you'd ever really get spiritual, you'd be a missionary. Maybe not. 
Maybe so, but maybe not. Probably not. Maybe the Holy Spirit has put a passion in your heart to influence your workplace. Maybe the Holy Spirit has put a passion in your heart to to be in government. Maybe God has put a passion in your heart to be an entrepreneur, to start a business. And he's calling you to bring influence from the kingdom of heaven into the kingdom of earth in these spheres. I, I do believe with all my heart that an understanding of these things can give us some freedom from God to influence these spheres in a kingdom way. I, I believe it. So these seven spheres, once again, media and communications, education, government, celebration of arts and entertainment, family, economy, business, as well as religion and worship. Let me ask you a question, and we're, we're going to close with some prayer. Uh, what sphere do you feel drawn to? I, I'm, I wish I had more time to dive into this, but have you guys at least reading it, hearing it, understanding it just a little bit? I, I really need to do a part two, and I wish I could. Maybe I will. But we got other stuff we need to preach on before the end, year, the end of the year. Maybe we should do a class. Six people will sign up. So, like, maybe we should do a class. But, like, I just want to pray over you. If you've heard this message before or something about it or you haven't, look, if you go home and Google it today, here's what I can promise. You're going to get 50% good, 50% bad. People saying, oh, this is great. Some people saying, oh, it's terrible. Don't do it. But I'm telling you, for for our house, I I feel freedom, liberty, and mercy from the Holy Spirit to present this as a tool and a strategy. So for for those for the rest of the time we have, which is probably three minutes, I just wanna I just wanna pray. I wanna pray and and ask you the same question that Mama Heidi asked me. Um, Is there a city? Hopefully it's Nashville. Maybe it's another. Doesn't matter. It could be other cities. Is there a city? Is there a nation? Is there a people group? Is there a sphere of culture that you feel particularly drawn to? And you're like, man, I want to influence that sphere of culture with the Holy Spirit and advance the kingdom of Jesus in that place. I just want to give you a permission slip today and just bless you and say, we as a church are behind you. Go and bring the kingdom into that place. So we're going to pray over each one. And um, I just want to start with media and communications. This is TV, film, news networks, writing articles, online publications, blogging, media communications. Um, This can even be social media if you do uh, news or information. Uh, Within the realm of of what we would call an influencer, I would include that in the celebration of arts and entertainment. So if you feel called in that way, don't stand for this. But more so for media uh, and and, um, news and things like that. If that's you, would you mind to just stand up real quick? Is there anybody in here that feels drawn to that? Awesome. Amazing. Amazing. Awesome. Yeah, let's bless them real good. So, so we just pray over them right now. And um, Jan is also in the back right there. You guys just stretch your hand out to these two women of God. Lord, we just thank you for the anointing and the blessing that you've placed upon their life for the ambition that is holy, that is in them to influence this sphere of media and communications. And we as a church right now bless them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We say, go, go into these spheres, go into these places and bring influence from the kingdom of Jesus. Awesome, guys. You guys can be seated. Anybody in here that feels called into the education sphere of culture? Amazing. Anybody else? 
Amazing, awesome. If you work in education, awesome. Thomas is a teacher, I know. Come on, can we just stretch our hands out towards them right now? Lord, we thank you for calling and bringing them into this sphere of influence. We bless them right now in Jesus' name. We thank you for your anointing and your power that rest upon their lives to bring in the kingdom of Jesus into their schools. And we speak that over all of the schools that are represented through those who are standing. And we bless them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we say amen, amen, and amen. Anybody in here feel called to bring the kingdom of Jesus in the sphere of government? Awesome. Amazing. Amazing. You know, I, I just I just recently talked to a guy in Brazil. He's 28 years old. He said, I'm running for city council next year. The, the Holy Spirit's told me to go into government and I actually uh, I'm going to be running for um, governor of the state that we're in at, at, at 40. That's my goal. He had a 12 year goal of, wow. of becoming the governor. And um, he said, just, I just want to help make laws that are good for our kids. And, you know, Come on, man. That's awesome. So we pray over you, men of God. Just stretch your hand out toward them now. Lord, we thank you for the anointing and the power and the vision. We say increase it, upgrade it, stretch it out, Lord. God, move through them in such a powerful way in the sphere of government that people in politics are saved and come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We bless them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And everyone said, amen. If you feel called to uh, sports, arts, entertainment, uh, this can also be filmmaking. It doesn't necessarily have to be network news or things like that or information, but just in the realm of entertainment, that could be through social media or another. Uh, also music. If that's you, would you just stand? Uh, we just want to pray over you right now. Come on. Amazing. So we just speak a blessing over all of you guys, musicians, artists, entertainers, Lord, those who are creating art for the world to behold your beauty. God, we just bless and we release a fresh anointing upon their lives. God, may movie producers come out of this church. May uh, influencers for the kingdom of Jesus come out of this church that just like the song that we sang today, regardless of how influential or famous that they might become, they would throw every crown down at your feet because yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory. And God, I just pray for more testimonies. Uh, even what we're seeing like in Kanye West's life and other celebrities, I just pray for more testimonies uh, of good things. We don't know everything happening in his world, but you know, I just bless the good and I celebrate the win. And Lord, we thank you for that. And we bless these guys in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. Amen. All right, let's do three more really quick and we'll sing a bridge or a chorus. I don't know what, the, I don't even know what either, what's the difference? You can delete it, so I mean. It's it, I don't know what the difference, what's the difference in a bridge and a chorus? Feeling. <laughs> then I know what they are then. Family. You know, family for a long time was, that was the foundation of a society, right? Now we have so many children that are growing up, uh, you know, in different places and ripped apart and separated houses and homes and families disconnected by, you know, just pain and, and anguish and disconnection in relationship. And if you feel called in any capacity uh, to bring redemption and influence the sphere of family, family, would you be willing to stand up? We just want to pray over you real quick as well. Awesome. Amazing. 
Amazing. So Lord, right now we bless those that have stood and this sphere of family that you've called them into to bring kingdom influence. We declare and release a fresh anointing, a fresh grace and a fresh vision. In Jesus' mighty name, may your power flow through them to influence this sphere for your kingdom and your glory. We bless them today in the name of the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Next is economy and business. If you feel called to business, finance, wealth, entrepreneurship, I, I don't, I, everybody can stand out. It doesn't matter. Like, don't be shy about it. I believe with all my heart, some of you guys in here are called to flow in kingdom wealth in Jesus' name to, to break barriers and to bring peace to places of darkness and to sow finance into the kingdom of Jesus, to redeem the next generation from poverty, from, from desertion, from the things that are often the result of systemic poverty. And Lord, I just declare that we have world changers through kingdom finance and business. Lord, I pray great vision and anointing and power upon their lives for Holy Spirit generosity and, and strategy, God. May they receive fresh strategy to go through new realms in finance and in business. Lord, I pray that you would release new strategy today in Jesus' name for new assignments, new programs, new products, new businesses, new, new streams of income and revenue for the kingdom of Jesus. We bless you now in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. The last one that we're going to pray over is the uh, sphere, the mountain of worship and religion. If you feel called to ministry, church, missions, anything spiritual uh, in that regard to teach or to preach or to lead worship or a small group, you stand up, you know, within the context of the church. Awesome. If you stood for this and you don't currently volunteer, let me give you an opportunity. I, no, I, I, honestly, it's just silly. It's, it's silly not to, not to volunteer because as you step into it, the, the vision you have is going to increase. I, I promise you, it's, it's going to expand. The more it's going to expand. So we bless all of you who are called into this ministry, church, preaching, teaching, leading worship, leading small groups, discipleship at a vocational level within the, within the church structure. God, we pray that you would just bring advancement into their life, that you would bring clarity into their life about their next step. In Jesus' name, we bless them. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, we pray. And everyone said...